Yeah, brother. Thank you. Well, how are y'all doing? That's not my fault. No, it's not anybody's fault. Uh, so, it is an honor and privilege to be here today. I'm very grateful and thankful for Brother Rick uh, trusting me with his pulpit and, and so thankful for the memories that we have here. I'm so thankful for uh, the smiling faces and the hugs and the handshakes and all that that we've had this morning. I'm so grateful to see Joseph doing such a good job with the youth. Uh, God really working through him. I keep up on Facebook and in contact with the office from time to time. But my goodness, it looks like you're all on steroids. I mean, y'all are all huge. Uh, last time I saw this three years ago, I saw most of you. Y'all been eating miracle Grow or something. But uh, it's, it's just such a pleasure to be here today. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm, well, I'm going to tell you the truth. Uh, in my conversation with Brother Rick, and my conversation with Brother Tommy, you know, Nobody mentioned a time limit, and y'all start 30 minutes earlier than we do, and so I figure I got 30 more minutes to add on top of my normal sermon time, and I'm grateful for that too. Uh, so I, I pray today that as we open God's Word that we'll, we can be excited about it. Uh, I don't know if some of the youth remember, but, uh, but I know one of the things that that I like to do. I picked it up from a, a youth camp a long time ago, and I've carried it on even into, even into my, uh, even into even into church as a senior pastor. So one of the things I do pretty regular, almost every time, is when I say, "If you've got your Bibles with you, yes, yes, we got some memory going on here." We get excited about it because we know that God's Word is true. We know that it'll never let us down. We know that it's not going to lie to us. We know that it'll always steer us in the right direction. And that if we have questions, if we have problems in life that we're dealing with, we know that the answers are here. We know that if the answer's not here, that it'll take us to the one who does know the answer. And that's God through Jesus Christ alone. And so, if you've got your Bibles with you today... Y'all keep working on that, all right? I got it. All right. Then turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. And then we're also going to, going to be talking about the Great Commission as we get to the end of the, the message today. We're going to tie those two together. But how many of y'all would say that God is in control? How many of y'all would say that whatever he says goes? Amen, right? I mean, absolutely. As believers, that's what we need to believe. That's the attitude that we need to have. And so, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 11, and the Great Commission both speak of a similar uh, direction from the Lord, and both of them are referencing one of the last things that he told us before he ascended. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, uh, as we read this, we'll see the ascension as we read. And so I figure if, what God, if God is in control and what he says goes, then especially the last thing he said. You know, I mean, he, he was there for a while, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. He was there for a while, and and, and he, he goes teaching and, and showing things. I would think that the very last thing that, he, that I would say, if I was in Jesus' place, which I try not to put myself in Jesus' place too often because I mess that up, 
But if I was to put myself in Jesus' place, I would think that the last thing would be to try to like really make the point that I've been trying to make. Okay, and I know that, uh, Mr. Tim, you just did a wonderful job with that song, and I think you hit all the notes wonderfully. I don't even know where you're sitting somewhere. There you are. Uh, you did a wonderful job. I was told that when I was coming up in choir, because I wasn't as good of a singer, uh, that, hey, if you can hit that first note good, and you can hit that last note good, that's what people really remember. And so if you mess up in the middle, it's all right. Well, so Jesus, I imagine, now Jesus never messed up in the middle either. But I imagine he wanted to hit that last note right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you following? And so we're going to read some of his last thoughts. And so let's, let's read in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It says, The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God gathering them together he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what the father had promised which he said you heard from me for John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Y'all pay attention right here. These letters are in red in my Bible. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up. While they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This, is, this Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Praise the Lord God Almighty. I'm just going to tell you what, uh, if, some, if these words don't get you fired up as a Christian, if that doesn't give you some purpose, some mission, uh, then you need to reread them because that's where it's at. Uh, then the author of Acts is believed to be Luke. We're going to look, I'm just going to kind of summarize over verses 1 through 5 for a moment uh, just to catch up to where I really want to go. He, this, I think that's what he was doing here. He was just kind of catch up, catching up, summarizing, saying, hey, look, all these things happened with Jesus. Uh, you know, the, this, is, this is 40 days uh, after, you know, after Easter, after he was risen. Uh, it mentions that there. And I, as I was praying through what to, what to preach on and as I was seeking out the Lord, uh, I, you know, I realized about what time. Now, we've been about 29 days since Easter. Uh, and so we're not quite at the 40-day mark, but I figured, hey, look, around this time, within about a week or so, uh, this would be a, a similar time frame for the disciples having heard this from Jesus out of his mouth and, and having seen all these things. So at this point in time, after Easter, we would have been, if we were there at the time, we would have been seeing all the different things of Jesus, like he said there uh, in the first couple of verses where it said that he was, uh, 
showing them, convincing proofs and, and appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And he was speaking of the things concerning God. He was teaching. He was appearing to them. Uh, it's just all those kinds of things. Those things would have been happening at this point. We would be, we would be seeing some of those things. And so, because we, we're at about 29 days, like I said. But let's move on into verses 6 through 8. So we're catching up. We know that, hey, Jesus is still around in, in, in a bodily form, appearing here and there to a lot of different people. If my memory serves me correctly, which my memory is not very good, it was, it was like 500 people that uh, Jesus had a, appeared to or had shown himself to over the course of that whole 40 days. And so he, this is when he gathered them together, and he said, hey, look, you're going to be uh, baptized, or John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And my God, you just start over in Acts chapter 2 and you you start reading right there and whoo, that's exciting about how the Holy Spirit really comes in and, and, and the miracles that, that happen and the salvations that occurred. Uh, but let's look at verse 6 through 8 as the main focus today. Uh, and, and so 6 through 8, I'm going to read it again. So when they come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, uh, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? So in verse 6, the disciples were asking him about the prophecies and about the teachings. And, uh, and they, were, they were saying, hey, look, is this what you were talking about? Is this what you're talking about when, when we're going to get to do these things and we're going to see these things come to pass? That's, he, he said, this is, is this it? Is this, is this when it's happening? Uh, and and this, is, this is how he responded in verse 7 and 8. Uh, he, he said, it's not for you to know. It's not for you to know the times of the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will. All right, so hey, look, there's some things you're not going to know. There's some things that are still going to be a little bit, and you're still not going to know everything. We can't know everything. All right, then we would be God, and that doesn't turn out well, right? When we try to play God, when we try to work things out, like that, it, doesn't, it doesn't play out well. And so he's saying, look, there's going to be some things, especially times that you don't know. But he said, look, this is what will happen. Jesus answer and remember what he says goes all right what he says goes he is the one that's in charge God is the one that's in control what Christ says goes he he conveys the word of the father he conveyed the mission of the father and so what he says goes and so we need to look down here at what he says and he said hey look don't worry about the specific timing uh but you will receive power now I gotta you know a lot of people get power hungry a lot of people and so I'm thinking what God why did you why would you talk to them about power? Why is it, what is this power? What is this authority you're trying to, to convince or to let them know, to give, help them be confident that they're going to have? So as a believer, I want you to know that Jesus wanted you to know that God said, hey, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And so we've, get, we've been given a command of what to do. We've been, we've been told what's going to happen. So if you're a believer, you've got the Holy Spirit within you. And you are, it is not weak. Now the world says, hey, look, if you submit yourselves and humble yourself, you know, all these things, you know, if, if you're being persecuted, all these things are bad things, right? We don't, we don't like those things. Here, Christ is saying, hey, look, don't you worry. You're going to receive power. Look, there's going to be some things you don't know about the Christian life and what it is that you, you've been called to do. But don't worry. You've got the Holy Spirit power with you. You've got the Holy Spirit power with you. This is, 
This is, this is so important for us to see uh, that we, we, can, we can say, hey, you know what? I've got the power of the Holy Spirit with me, and, and I'm going to do exactly what it is that God's called me to do because He is the one that's empowering me to do it. And so here's the thing is, when I th- start thinking about this power, I start, also start thinking, God, why do I need power? Well, because I can't do what I need to do on my own. I can't do what I need. And that's the punchline. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. That's the be- for, the, for this message, that is the punchline. We cannot do what we're called to do on our own. And, and, and so God here says, hey, look, you will receive power. Look, we're going to have trials, and we're going to have problems, and we're going to have hang-ups. We're going to have habits that we incorporate into our life, and, and, and we can't allow that to happen. We can't allow that to continue to, to stop us from doing what it is that God's called us to do. In so many cases, though, that's what we do, especially in the, the specific case of what he's telling us to do here. He's telling us to share the gospel. He's telling us to be a witness. What does a witness do? They tell what's happened to them. In court, that's what a witness does. They get up there and they say, this is what I saw. This is what happened to me. This is what I experienced, okay? It's a firsthand testimony of what's happening. That's what God has called us to do here. But unfortunately, so many times, we let our problems, we let our habits, we get let our business, we let all these kind of things get in our way. And we end up not doing it. But Jesus is saying here, look, he's going ahead and starting off. And, and I believe this to be true. He's going ahead and starting off. And he's saying, look, there are no excuses for you to not do what it is I'm about to tell you to do. Because I'm giving you the power to do it. And so before he even got started, he said, hey, look, I'm giving you the power. I'm giving you the confidence. I'm giving you what it is that you need to know to be able to do what you need to do. And so the power that he gave, gives us through the Holy Spirit, it's stronger than your struggles. It's stronger than your history. It's stronger than the experiences that you've had. Listen, uh, across the, uh, a congregation this size, look, there's a lot of experience. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartbreak that's gone on in the past. There, there's all kinds of things that you've dealt with. There's things that you're dealing with right now. But God's power is stronger than that. And we shouldn't let that stop us. But so many of us make excuses. We, as parents, sometimes we let, we let ball games and we let uh, our children's extracurricular activities, they, they get in the way. We get so busy with those things. You know that it's like a 0.02% chance. I saw this on a, on a social media post, so check the accuracy, you know, from them. It's like a 0.0296% chance that uh, your kid's going to go on to be a professional athlete. You know what I'm saying? So instead of spending so much time at the ball game, I think you should send them to church because it's a 100% chance that they're going to be judged one day. They're going to stand before the Father and, and have to account for whether they have a relationship with Him. So we need to spend more time in the Word and listening to what God says than we do our extracurricular activities. But, but the same thing, with our, not just ball games, our grandkids, yard work, our jobs, maybe our families, all those things are good things, they're necessary things, but we can't let them take priority and keep us from doing what God's commanded us to do. We have to make sure that, hey, look, we're going to put this as a priority in our life because the letters are in red and because Jesus told us and because he gave us the power to do it. Otherwise, we're sitting on that power just, and we're not called to just be pew sitters. We're not just called to be sitting around somewhere. We're called to get out and go and witness, and God's given us the power to do it. We can't stop. We can't stop. I've got a, 
I brought a can up here uh, with me. And uh, a lot of times, so if this represents our life, you know, I, y'all know I was youth minister, and so I have to get things that are shiny to keep people's attention. Uh, but now that I'm a, a senior pastor, I realize that I still have to have things that are shiny to keep adults' attentions too. So yeah, you know, anyways. But if this represents our life, a lot of times those trials and those struggles, they, they, they tend to put dents and dings in our life, and we're like, oh, man. And so we're like, oh, I can fix that. Look, I'm, I'm a smart guy. I can be just, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I can get that popped back out. Yeah, there's a couple little dents left from it. You could tell it was popped back out. But then, and then next time, though, we, we have that same struggle or that same sin, that temptation that's been eating us up, it comes again, and we're like, oh, man. Let me pop that back out again. Uh-oh, can't quite get that one back out. And then before you know it, maybe something really bad happens or some, something out of your control might not have even been you. Another experience comes and it happens and it crushes it. And before you know it, over the course of your life, you've gotten to the point where you can't, you can't do it on your own. You can't straighten those things out. You know, and I would imagine that some of us feel like it's really bad. You know, and, and really, and, and some of us probably even think that it's just completely crushed. And it's like, how could this ever be useful again? How could my life ever be useful again? I've got so much pain. There's no way I can, I mean, oh man, it's tearing when I try to pull it back out and try to fix it. Myself. You know, and, but with Jesus, see, I don't know if y'all, I don't know what y'all might be expecting out of this illustration uh, as far as repairing that. I do not have the power to repair that. And I do not have any magic where I can just pull that out and it's, it's brand new again. But I know somebody who can. I don't have the power or the authority to, to, to fix any problems in your life or to change any past history or, or to the experiences that you have that may be dragging you down. I don't have the power to make you new. But you know what I know about this can? I know that it can be recycled. I know that it can be heated up, it can be melted down, and it can be turned into a brand new can. And that's what the scripture tells us about our life. But that only happens, it doesn't happen by, you know, your, your, your pastor, your, other, your student pastors, your music ministers. Nobody, nobody can, can make your life turn new again, but Jesus can. And so you may have those struggles in life. And, and listen, this isn't the perfect example because I know there's still memories of some of those experiences. But the scripture tells us that he makes us a new creation. And that he gives us purpose. Look, I can use this again. I can, I, can, I can be useful again. And so when I, when I look at that and I think about, you know, my life has been struggling and I'm using those problems to, to say, hey, you know what, I, I've got to work on my problems right now. I, can't, I don't know about this whole, this whole going out and witnessing and sharing and, and being a, a lifestyle Christian for the Lord. How am I going to do that? I've got all these other things that are holding me back. I've got these, maybe I was born into, into a family that, that, that was just very dysfunctional and didn't work out. And, and so what, what choice do I have but to have become the way I have? Listen, you have a choice. You can hand your life over to the one who can recycle it and make it new. And that's what he's saying here. Look, you don't have the power. That's what he was telling the disciples. He said, you don't have the power to do it, but I do. And I'm giving it to you right now. The Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to have the power to be made new. You're going to have the power to be a witness. And, then, and so now, to continue on, 
where are we going to be a witness? How are we going to be a witness? What is it that that looks like? Jesus said here, he said, look, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, when we start looking at the, some of those things, and I start thinking, you know what? Okay, Jesus just told me this. I've got no excuses because what he says goes, and he's given me the power. Now, how do I actually do it? Where do I do it? Who do I talk to? What do I say? What, what are some of these things? And, 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 and so we start seeing this because we see that Jesus fulfilled when we failed. When we failed, Jesus fulfilled the law. He, he, he fulfilled it even though we couldn't live up to it. Jesus lived when we died. He brought light into the darkness. These are the things that Jesus has said, look, you have the power to do these things. There are no excuses. Jesus gives hope when there is no hope. He gives peace when there is no peace. He comforts when you need comfort. He provides joy in the midst of heartache. He provides love when nobody else feel, you know, when it feels like nobody else loves you. Or, to be honest, when you're being unlovable. All right? He provides all these things, and so we have no excuse. But what he says is here, look, I've provided all these things for you so that you can go out and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to even the remotest parts of the earth. Now, when we look at those examples that he gave, he said, in Jerusalem. Now, when we look at that and we start thinking about it, now, geographically, we can, we can easily come to the conclusion, I think, that God is saying, hey, look, you, you work in the, in the city that you live in, in that close area, let's call it Montgomery. All right, and so you work in Montgomery, and then he goes on and he spreads it out. What about Alabama? What about, uh, what about the... What about the United States? And then the remotest parts of the world that we would, we would take it out internationally. We can see that pretty easily, I think. And, and so we know that when we go to witness that there's no place on earth that we shouldn't go to, that we shouldn't try to be sharing the gospel. But I think there's something else here we can see if we try to, try to look into it. That in Jerusalem, yeah, that was the close place. That was the city, right? That was the, that was the hub. So it was really easy to find people. Y'all know how many people? Or, or right here around Delreda? A lot of people. It's, it's, it wouldn't be hard to find a person right here in this city. Like you, there's, there's tons of houses, there's tons of businesses, everything's all held together. So that's the easy people. It's, you're supposed to go and share it with the people that you're already coming in contact with and that it's easy to get in touch with them. Go and knock on their door, send them a card, go and, you know, go and visit, talk to somebody at your work that you're already seeing. These easy places to... to to work out what it is that God's called you to do. But then we also see as he goes into Jerusalem and Samaria, uh, that we see, okay, well, that's, that's beyond the city. That's starting to get into the outskirts. It's going to start, you know, this, these people are a little bit harder to reach. These people, are, they might have a little bit different culture than I do. They might look a little different. They might act a little different. They might think a little different. But you know what? We're still supposed to reach them too. And we've got the power to do it. Don't let any cultural difference or any distance uh, keep you from doing it. You look at Samaria, places where they were previously told not to go, places that are farther away. It's really hard to find. Now, as we start stretching out into Alabama, I could think of some hills or some trees and some, some places where you got a bunch of rednecks. You know what I'm talking about? That's pretty hard to find, pretty hard to get in there too, right? All right. Who's going to tell them, though? Somebody's got to tell them. And if it's not you and me, if it's not fellow believers, as we're spreading out, yeah, it's a lot harder to find those people. But we're called to reach them. We're called to share. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's what God's called us to. 
And so we need to have beautiful feet. We need to be the ones carrying that gospel, not just to the easy people that are close and congested together, but to the people that are spread out in more rural areas and that they're a little bit harder to get to. Uh, and then even farther, even into the utmost, the uttermost parts of the earth. My version here reads the remotest parts of the earth. And you know what? I'm glad that these disciples took that literally. You know why? Because I'm part of the uttermost compared to them. This is me. I'm glad they took that seriously because we're a long ways from Jerusalem, right? You, you, I mean, some of you probably visited there, but it took you a long time to get there, right? We're, I mean, that's the, this is the remotest parts of the earth. And so we've got to, we've got to realize that this command, they took it literally. And, and they needed to because Jesus meant it literally. Go to the remotest parts of the earth. And so I, t I challenge you today. Well, however it is that you can go, go. However it is you can witness, witness. Don't let any distance stop you. Don't let any cultural differences stop you. Don't let any difficulties stop you. Go to the people that are hard to find. Because Jesus came to you when you were hard to find. I want to encourage you to do that same thing, to take this uh, seriously. That there's no limits. There's, that every single person is important enough to God. And he's given you the power to do it. So, there's a couple of things I want to share just from my experience when it comes to witnessing some of the, to some of these people in some of these places. That when we witness, we have to witness at their convenience. We have to witness at the convenience of others. What I mean by that is, is not that we change our story or that, or that we dilute the truth any at all but that we build up trust. We do so quickly enough, and, but we do so in a way that, or we find out when they're willing to listen. Maybe street ministry is, is the way you, is the way you, you feel like you should, you should minister or witness. By all means, do that. But, but the, the thing about street ministry is, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to get people's attention and find somebody who's willing to listen. And when they're finally willing to listen, that's when you, you get a chance to really share. Or, or a coworker, it's hard to talk to them while they're in the middle of a job, right? But during breaks, during other times, you've built trust, you've built a relationship, you take that opportunity to do that. Students, you've got friends that, that need to hear the gospel. Find a time to talk to them. You've got more free time with your, with your friends right now than you'll ever have in the future. Okay, that you're, you're going you're gonna to run out of that time very quickly. And, and if you haven't used the time wisely, like God said, then, then I promise you, you'll regret it. I could probably ask every Christian in here about their high school times, and they would probably say, you know, I wish I'd have done a little bit more. I wish I'd have shared a little bit more. Or I wish I'd have shared a lot more. And so don't make that same mistake. Look, take advantage of those opportunities. Take advantage of those opportunities and don't let any, any cultural problems or any societal differences stop you. Don't let the fear or the worry that somebody's going to think something of you, don't let that stop you because you've got the power of the Holy Spirit empowering you to do that, empowering you to witness. And you don't have to go into some deep theological explanation. Just tell them what happened to you and how, and how God saved your life and that he can do it for them too. It doesn't have to be complicated. 
And so we do so when they're, when they're willing to listen at their convenience. We also do so in a way that they'll understand. When I was in college, uh, you know, they, they changed the formatting of the papers. You had to write papers. Uh, and, and gosh, too many papers it felt like. Uh, but, but it seemed like every professor had a different formatting they wanted you to deal with. Okay, like you put the margins at this size, you know, make them an inch, make them three quarters of an inch, make, you know, how you, how you reference things, they need to be at the bottom, they need to be in line with it, in parentheses, all these different kind of ideas, and I was like, I was talking to my dad one day, and I said, Dad, why in the world, why don't they just pick one, and all of them stick with it, like, why do they all, why do they all have to have something a little bit different, and he said, well, it's just like, that's their language, that's what they understand. He said, no matter where you're at in life, you're going to have to learn to communicate with people. And so you're going to have to do so in a way that they understand. And for the professors, that was their formatting. That's the way they understand. That's the way they wanted to hear it. For people in, in life, we have, to, we have to speak it in their language. You know, that's, that's why different books of the Bible have, are, are, are organized differently. That's why some of them are very theological and some of them are very practical and some of them, you know, are, are very deep and some of them are kind of shallow because depending on who you're talking to, you need to make sure that they're going to be able to understand it. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I don't use very many big words. I studied them and I learned them and I passed them on the test and then for some reason, I can't remember all those big words. And so I'm a very simple-minded, very simple-speaking kind of guy, all right? I, for, I forget all the time. And so it, it's very easy for me to, to, to understand this concept right here. Say, so, hey, look, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Tell them what it is that God's done for you. Why not? What, I mean, what are they going to do, argue and tell you you're lying? If so, hey, you know what? You know you're not. The last part, the last example that I had was uh, of how to witness is to do so selflessly. At great cost to yourselves. Y'all may remember the story of the, the shepherd leaving the 99 to go out after the one. That was at great cost to himself. That was at great, that was at great expense of himself. That was at great risk to himself. God's called you to go out even if it's at risk to yourself. That you, would, that you would not worry about your own self because you know that you're taken care of. You know that you have an eternity, but... But they don't, and it's worth going out there to the one. Instead of just staying bunched up in your Christian group or in your Christian circles, get outside that, You talk to people, then come back, get strengthened. By all means, have a good, solid Christian support group that you, you stick with. That's what churches are for. Students, that's what your youth groups are for. Adults, your Sunday school classes and things, that's what they're for. You come back and you, you share what you've been doing and you learn more. But you don't stay there. You don't stay there. You don't just live your whole life there with your youth group or your Sunday school class or your church. When you leave the doors, you're entering the mission field and you're supposed to be going out and doing what it is that God's called you to do. And what he's called us to do is to witness. The last thing I'll share. This is from Matthew chapter 28. This is a passage that will be familiar to many of you. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. Again, the last, the last scriptures, I mean, the last uh, instructions that Jesus gave. It says, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority. There's that word authority again, that word power, that God's, that God's there. And he's saying, look, that's been given to me. as Jesus, that's been given to me. I'm the son of God. And here I'm passing it on to you because I have the authority. And I'm going to tell you what to do. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Man, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, even even he, he's saying, look, I'm with you. The power that God has given me, I'm going to be there with you. And so you need to go out and you need to do these things. And so you have the strength to witness uh, and that Jesus is going to be with you. And so I say, instead of saying no to God, remember, a lot of times we say no just by our inaction, by our laziness. We don't like to call ourselves lazy, but we say we're busy, we're doing something else. Instead, instead of inaction or not doing everything God's called us to do, let's say yes to God because he's the boss and what he says goes. Y'all agreed with me at the beginning. God's in control. He, he, what he says goes. And so you say yes to God. And you go out and you witness. You yield yourself to him. You live that example that other people can see. And, and you serve uh, in the manner in which is holy and pleasing to the Lord. And so today as I, as I finish up and as I, I, I challenge you to, to think about what it is that God has called you to do. And you think about your life and you say, I, I challenge you to just ask the Lord, God, am I serving the way you want me to serve? Am I witnessing the way you want me to witness? Or have I let some things get in my way? Have I let some things in my past or in my schedule or whatever, have I let those things get in my way and, and, I'm, and I've been found not doing what it is that you've called me to do? I would challenge you to ask that question today. I ask yourself that. Am I following God's word? Am I, am I, can I teach people to obey the commands that, I, that you've given me because I know the commands well enough? Am I living a life that is, that is pleasing you, that's, that's in obedience to the command that you gave us in Acts and in, and in Matthew? I would challenge you to ask yourself that. Now, don't come down too hard on yourself or anything. Just pick yourself up by the bootstraps and go and do it. Just, just start from now. You can't change the past. You can't change whether you've been doing it good or not in the past. But you can change whether you do it in the future. You can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm, next time we're at break or fee or whatever it is, or next time we're at, at that, you know, time out during a game or whatever, and I have the opportunity, I'm going to share it. Next time I'm at work, I'm going to share it. Next time I have an opportunity on social media to share something with somebody, I'm going to take an opportunity to share it. Instead of, and, instead of looking back and building on those uh, excuses, let's build on the word of God in our life and go out and share I mean I bet you all have neighbors it's a great place to start Jerusalem I bet you all have people that travel into it's a great place to start Judea Samaria I bet there's ways that you can give I bet there's ways that you can travel you can use some of your vacation time go on a mission trip I, I, I bet you there's there's time, place, ways that you can go to the uttermost parts of the earth I would challenge you today, as Tommy comes, as, a, uh, as they come for a time of invitation, if y'all would stand, I just want to challenge you, like I said, to think about what it is that God may be saying and how God wants to use you. Because there's not a single person in here that God doesn't have a plan for and that God can't use. My goodness, if he used Peter, gosh, Lee, he put his foot in his mouth so much he cut the guy's ear off. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Peter was a rough character. If he used me, if he brought me from the places that, I mean, he can use anybody. And he wants to. He doesn't just get, he wants to use you. He has chosen to use you, and he's chosen to give you the power to be able to do so successfully. And so this altar is open. If you want somebody to pray with, there are faithful people in this church, ministers and, and, and deacons and women. And there are people in here that will pray with you. Just say, hey, look, let's just go pray how we can share 
how we can share the God, how we can witness to the world, how we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or if you want to pray, I'll, I'll be here to pray. But this altar's open. If you just want to pray between you and God, say, God, I just, I just want, to, I want to do better for you. And whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's been working in your life today, I pray that, that you would trust him and that you would come to him now.